You're listening to the Lead On Podcast, where we discuss experiences in the armed forces while exploring lessons from military leaders. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Enlisted Leadership Foundation Podcast, Lead On, with lessons from military leaders. I'm David Deary, your host, president of the Enlisted Leadership Foundation. And joining me today is one of the other founders of this fine nonprofit, Mr. Keith Goosby. Keith is a retired former Force Master Chief. He was the Naval Air Force's Force Master Chief. For those unfamiliar with the Navy senior leadership structure, uh, there's the Master Chief Petty Officer of the Navy, there's four Fleet Master Chiefs, and just under three dozen Force Master Chiefs. Keith rounded out a 30-year career as a Force Master Chief, and he transitioned out of the Navy back in 2004. Uh, I don't want to give any more than that away. Keith, welcome to Podcast Land. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's good to be here. Oh, it's great to have you. You know, we have a limited amount of time and we're going to have to have about three episodes just to just to give <laughs> you uh, really not to give you, but to get everybody else uh, some of the great leadership wisdom that you've been, you've captured over the 40 years of your life. Mm-hmm. Uh, before we uh, get into it, you know, I like to just ask a, a real simple question. What's the worst piece of leadership advice someone ever gave Keith Gooseby? Wow. So the worst piece of advice, uh, well, I probably can't put my finger on where exactly it came from, but the advice was really to kind of stick with the crowd, you know, don't buck the crowd, you know, be, uh, you know, uh, uh, you, you got to have this, everybody's got to be together on an answer or not. And, you know, and I tried that for a while and I found out I was kind of like the ugly duckling, you know, I kind of didn't fit in with some of the things that were happening. So I just had to I had to just kind of strike out on my own and go, no, I'm just going to stick with integrity. I'm just going to stick with what I think the right answer should be. And uh, we'll, we'll figure out later how to get along with the crowd. So that, that, would, prob- that would probably be it. You know, uh, what a great life lesson, too, and, and, and even something to live by. You, you, you say integrity and running with the crowd. I suspect when you receive that piece of advice, you've kind of sensed uh, that it probably wasn't good advice to begin with. When else in your life, maybe uh, as you came into the military or early in your career, um, has integrity always been something uh, that as a leader you tapped into or was it something that you learned later on in life? Integrity was something I learned early. I I, I learned it from, uh, you you know, literally from my mom and dad. You know, I learned integrity. Now, that said, uh, there were so many temptations to stray from integrity because, you know, of acceptance. They wanted to be accepted with the crowd. So say that I like things that I really didn't like or say I didn't like things that I really did like, you know. So uh, so the integrity was always there. And it was kind of like a sandpaper inside of me, always this friction whenever I did not stick with the with, with, with integrity. You know, so so I'm glad I'm glad about that. I, I think we need that friction when we're doing things that we don't we know we should not be doing. Yeah, that's really good. You know what? Uh, um, I'm I, I'm going to kind of jump ahead. We're going to fast yeah. forward from uh, 1970 something when you joined the Navy to 2021, uh, and and it ties in integrity. So you are launching your life coach um, business, for lack of yes. a better word. Uh, so you know, how does integrity play play into being a life coach? Well, integrity is one of the things that as a life coach that I'm telling other people they need to have really, and and it boils down to this, the most conversations we have and the most powerful conversations we have are with our own self. And if I don't have integrity with myself, I'm already starting off on the wrong foot. 
So as a life coach, I have to have integrity with myself. When I finish talking to a client, I need to know that I said what, you know, I said what needed to be said, you know, how you said, you know, you can work on that. And the mm -hmm. client themselves, as you talk to yourself, you need to talk with integrity. You know, don't tell yourself that you do your best if you know you don't do your best. And then we'll discover why you're not doing your best. But you, you got to have integrity, uh, you know, if, if you're going to move ahead from where you are to that next level. Oh, man, that's so good. So how have you seen the integrity? We're just going to talk integrity this whole this whole few minutes. How have you <laughs> seen integrity? And now let's go back to the 70s. OK, uh -huh. I, I came in a little after you. I, I'm, I'm a mid 80s sailor. So you came in the late 70s. Um, how have you seen integrity played out in your career? I've seen integrity. <laughs> uh, integrity made me wonder, was I going to have my job by the time this was over? Because <laughs> so, okay, so tell me a story. Tell us a story. Why, what, why would you say that? Okay, so, so okay, I'm, I'm going to keep it as succinct as I can. I was an aviation electrician mate. So my job, I was supervisor over these electricians, and one of our jobs was compass systems on airplanes, okay? And we were about to lose this one piece of equipment we had. We were in Puerto Rico, and we knew once we lost this piece of equipment, we weren't going to get it back for about six months or so. In the meantime, several of our airplanes would have gone out of their calibration window. So I was asked, told, whatever happens in the Navy, <laughs> I was approached to do compass swings with this piece of gear that was one day out of calibration. Oh, to do what? Compass swings, swing what? the compass, adjust the compass on the airplanes. Okay, okay? Right. Uh, I'm glad you asked that question. So we adjust the compass on the airplanes so that when they fly, you know, if you're off by one degree, when you take off someplace, you go around the world, you're off by 500 miles. Okay, okay. so we had to keep those compass systems, you know, every once in a while we had to calibrate them. So, so I was asked to do a compass swing, uh, that is to calibrate the compass system, uh, you know, uh, with this, this piece of gear that was one day out of calibration. I said, nope, can't do it. And they said, well, if you don't do it, you know, the planes are going to go out of calibration while it's gone. And we all, all the planes can't fly. Go, I'm sorry, I can't do it. And so all the time inside me, I'm going, okay, how long will you have this job, Keith? So, <laughs> but, we, but, but, but here's what integrity did, though. It led us to compromise. Compromise was, I'll tell you what, I would do the compass swings because I know we don't want all our airplanes down. If you will write down in the aircraft logbook that we did a compass swing with a piece of gear that was one day out of calibration, if you would do that, I'll do the compass swing. That way we're all being honest. And they said, okay, we'll do that. And so we resolved that situation. Uh, mm -hmm. Now, some some other leadership that might not have been so understanding might have said, well, you know what? Uh, you need to go work somewhere else and we'll get somebody else. And, and to which I would have said, okay, might have regretted it. Might have never become a force master chief years later. But, uh, you know, you just got to make the stand. Integrity play, you know, can play out every day in our professions, no matter what the profession is. You know, um, I see this in movies. I read it in books. Well, let me ask you if you ever had a real life experience, either yourself or you maybe as a force master chief, you were forced to make a difficult decision because a leader uh, chose um, to compromise their integrity, uh, whatever justification they had. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it, it put um, life or equipment at risk. And then when you peel back the onion, you realize there was a decision made that that had they stuck with their integrity, that that sandpaper uh, that was brushing against them, that internal moral compass, if they would have stuck and, and not done whatever it, it is. Do, do, you know what I'm saying? Have you ever encountered that or is there a story you can share? Yeah, yeah, yes, there is. So I was uh, as I, 
Once I survived that first incident, I went on to make rank. <laughs> now I'm a chief petty officer and I'm in charge of the avionics. That is the electricians, the uh, electronic technicians, and the ordnance men uh, in, in a squadron. And we had a maintenance officer who was, you know, uh, you know kind of like my boss, like really my boss, who uh, wanted us to, we had smokes that we would take out on a helicopter. The smoke, you kind of, you had to break the seal on it. The reason for a smoke is if the helicopters out there see something in water that needs to be marked, they drop the smoke in the water, salt water activates it, and smoke comes up, and now we, we have a marker. The problem with these smokes is that if you break the seal and then you bring it back to the ship, it can't go in the armory anymore. And the reason it can't go in the armory is because if a fire break out in the armory, guess what sprays out from over here? Salt water. And guess what salt water would do to the smoke? Okay. It'll set it on fire. Okay. And so, uh, so they, he wanted to take, you know, take, uh, the, this number of smokes out on an airplane. We didn't have to take that many. He just preferred to. And then he wanted to restore them in the armory. And I just said, no, we're not going to do it. We're, we're not going to put them there. And I actually, you know, uh, you know, through the course of conversation, course of events, I actually went to, you know, to the commanding officer and we got, but the bottom line was we did not put those smokes back in the armory because we were putting a, a, a United States Navy aircraft carrier at risk by putting smokes back in the armory where if the saltwater uh, system had gone off, they could go off. And now we have this phosphorus burnt fire burning mm. amongst our weapons. Wow. So, and I still made rank after that. Yeah, <laughs> still made it. So, uh, you know, you mentioned aircraft carrier, you're an aviation electrician. You did a lot of time on aircraft carriers, uh, but there's one carrier that probably stands out among them all. Um, which carrier might that be? Well, let me see. There was only the the best carrier in the Navy was USS Constellation. So you must yeah, be that, talking that, about that one. That, that, that would be the one. There's a you know, there's something about being a Connie sailor that yeah. people stand up a little taller, raise the head a little bit higher, their their mouths get a little bit wider. What? What was it about, besides the fact that Keith Goosby was the command master, but what was it about the Constitution, about the Connie, that attracted that morale and that attitude, that persona? That I mean, I've been on ships that people yeah. like, you don't even want to wear your ship's ball cap. Uh, that's not the case with Connie. What is it about Connie? Connie, Connie was teamwork that started with leadership. And I could give you a couple of stories, but I'm going to give you one that, uh, you know, we really don't want to make it too public. But at the same time, it happened, right? Okay. And, and, and it shows the leadership and how the team worked together. So one time I'm sitting with the commanding officer, the executive officer, and the supply officer. And I say to the supply officer, hey, sir, you know, some of the guys are telling me they're seeing roaches on the mess decks. You know, like real roaches, you know, roaches, the crawling yeah. creatures, right? And, uh, <laughs> and his reply was, well, Master Chief, there's roaches on every ship. You know, we get boxes that we take on board from overseas and blah, blah, blah. Well, he wasn't wrong. Mm -hmm. And the executive officer looked up and said, not on Connie, there's not. Okay. And so that night after flight operations, okay, flight operations don't end to about 2300, uh, 11 p.m. for you nautical types. Okay. Uh, flight operations don't end until about then. That night. After that, you saw the commanding officer, executive officer, and the command master chief on the mess decks with flashlights, looking under things, looking for roaches, finding roaches. You saw us do that night after night after night. You saw us with raid cans. Okay, you saw us going after these things. Yeah. And so uh, uh, what it did was people started seeing, people saw how much we cared. That wasn't the first instance of how much we cared. People saw that we cared and that we joined in. We are, that's also an example of leadership by example. 
to get people on board. This is what we're talking about when we say we're not going to have this on USS Const uh, uh, Constellation. And people started uh, chipping in and, you know, getting teamwork to just rally around whatever the, whatever the issue was, was not an issue on USS Constellation because everybody knew that it started at the top. And if, and we wouldn't do anything. We wouldn't to ask you to do anything that we wouldn't do, even though we didn't do it because we didn't have the time. It wasn't our job, et cetera. But everybody knew that whatever we, we talked about, we were a team in accomplishing that. You know, we, we read that in a lot of books, uh, hear it in podcasts that, you know, the leader, you have to set the example. You have to be the example. You got to be the person others want to emulate. But yet um, we could even talk about the Enlisted Leadership Foundation. You've been on this journey since the very beginning, since 2013, with the very first foundry class. And we've talked to uh, E6s across all branches of the military in that course. And how many people have we heard the do as I say, not as I do? that um, they, they're part of commands back then and even today. Um, but yet with all the speakers, yourself included, that attend that class, that's one of the key messages that, that we often hear is you, 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 got to, you, you got to be the example other people want to follow because just like as a parent, uh, people are, are going to follow. Um, is this something that, let's circle back around to life coach. Is this something that, uh, it seems very basic to me, but yet, clearly, it's it's harder to execute. Is this something you you also share with during your life coaching sessions? Yes, and it, obviously, it would depend on the time and you know who I'm talking to and then you know where we are in the conversation. But absolutely, yes, uh, that you know your example. You, you know, we're we're leading people hear more of what they see than what they actually hear, mm -hmm. and so uh, you know, uh, coaching people into and saying if you if you want to have influence, you do have influence. By the way, not if you want to, you do have influence. But that most of that influence is going to be by what people see. Now they do want to hear, and they do need to hear. But what they see you doing, they want—they're they, going to see if you believe in what you talk about. Okay, because uh, sometimes people we don't really believe in it so much. We just, or we do, and we just don't know how to express it. So yeah, it, it, it's a key part of, of coaching is is having people understand that. You, you know, so um, I want to stick on the coaching theme for a little bit longer here. Um, you talk about the, this book once, The Purpose Driven Life, um, mm -hmm. you know, and, and how being able to contribute, um, you know, you're from a small community, um, but yet now you're part of this. You grew up in a much larger community called the Navy that you're still mm -hmm. attached to. Um, how does the Purpose Driven Life book and your coaching, all that, how does all that come into play? So, you know, Purpose Driven Life, it, for me, it just reminds me that people are locking in on the fact that I have a purpose. And in some people's mind is, do I have a purpose or what is my purpose? So those questions about purpose comes up, you know, so I, I take that title and, and, and I, I'll leverage it. But one of the things I found out, David, is about purpose. And let's talk about life coaching and myself. Okay. You know, while I struggled to find my purpose, all the time people were saying to me, man, you're a great mentor. Man, you mm -hmm. you're a great coach. You mentored me when. And I don't ever recall mentoring them. And it began to dawn on me that old saying that said, you know, if, 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 if enough people tell you it's raining, get an umbrella. Okay. So if enough people tell you that you're good at something, maybe it's time to take a look at that, kind of dust it off, dust it off and polish it up and, 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 and see how, how that applies. And I found out that, yes, that is my, my, uh, my niche. And I found out that it was coaching was not something I had to pursue. Uh, as far as my my relationships with people, I may have to pursue it as an occupation, but but as far as who I am, that that was that's my purpose: uh, pouring into people, mentoring, coaching, 
you know, it, that's that, that's what I do. That's who I am. And so when I think of purpose-driven life, my life is now driven by that purpose as I move down that road of uh, coaching with people. Well, Keith, I, I, I tell you, as a recipient of someone that you've poured into um, for the past 20 years that I've known you, even before we were friends, but just uh, where I just met you on board the USS Nimitz and you came out during deployment, um, I knew that there was something about you probably because you were a force master chief. And I'm like, ooh, that's pretty cool. I got to meet a force master chief. But as I've got to know you over the years, um, I've, I've, I've certainly benefited from that pouring in and I've seen others benefit. Um, from the point. And so uh, I'm glad that glad that you're able to share that today. And I know that what we're talking about right now will be poured into others. But before I let you go, because we're coming up on a hard stop, uh, let me ask you one more question. So what's the luckiest bad mistake or the luckiest bad leadership decision? Put it that way, because we all have them. So, you know, is there something that, man, I can't believe I made the decision, but the outcome worked out okay? Story behind that? So, okay, so let me let me give you my definition of, of luck, and that is uh, preparedness and, and opportunity meeting each other. I'm sure you heard that before. Yeah. So if I can use that definition, or maybe I take lucky and say risky, because uh, I've made some risky decisions. I, 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 I've, I've done some things that this may or may not work. And one of them was, uh, you know, selecting someone to go lead, taking one of the best chief paid officers we had. And when I say best, I mean on paper, written in their evaluations, one of our top leaders and putting them in one of the jobs that, that nobody wanted to do. That was normally reserved, to be quite frankly with you, for one of the uh, uh, one of the leaders that people didn't necessarily want, uh, you know, uh, wanted mm -hmm. or didn't need, didn't think they needed in their division. And I got with the XO and I said, you know, we need to pick the best person we have and stick them in this job. And we did. Now, I could have backfired because maybe maybe nothing would change in uh, in the in the area where we sent them to, to be a leader. OK, which is which is uh, uh, we call it mess cranking uh, on yeah. the ship, you know, and uh, there's just a lot of disgruntledness there. But I tell you what, it wasn't it wasn't very long before that place turned around. Captain's mass cases went down. People being late, uh, uh, that, that diminished. Different things went away. So it was a risky, uh, so I go back to you, lucky, risky, yeah. uh, you know, and it worked. And so, you know, I kind of, in, not in front of people, I kind of went, that worked. But I didn't do that in front of people. In front of people, I was kind of cool. Like, well, yeah, I knew, I knew it was going to work. Of course, you know? yeah. <laughs> That's great. Well, Keith, listen, it's been a joy to talk with you. Thank you for taking time out. Any any parting comments before we close up? Well, uh, David, thank you for that. I, I think that, you know, the thing is, uh, I want to go back to life coaching, if I may, for a moment. Sure. In everybody's life, uh, you know, I'm, I'm an old-fashioned guy. I don't have those earbuds with that's wireless. I, when I work out in the gym, I got those things with wires in them, right, that hang from your ears. And every time I finish working out, I take those things and I neatly wrap them up around my hand and I put them away. And then it never fails, David. Every time I go to pull them out, there's knots and there's loops and there's I'm like, well, well, how did that happen? Is there is there a knot gremlin in my in my gym bag or something? And that's how our lives are. Sometimes we don't even know how it got there. We don't know how we got so twisted in a certain area. We didn't start out that way, and our intentions didn't take us that way. Yet there's certain areas that are kind of twisted. And how do I get out of that? In a, as a coach, as a mentor, I think one of my jobs is to assist people in seeing how to untie the knots for themselves. 
that you can get these knots out. You don't have to live with them and that they're going to appear again, but you have all the tools to un untie these knots and get it straightened out so you can use those headphones again or you could do whatever it is in life that you were doing that you were pursuing. So that, that would be my closing thought. No, you know, thank you for that. That's a great visual uh, that we can all relate to. So this has been Lead On, Lessons for Military Leaders with Force Master Chief Retired Keith Goosby, Mr. Keith Goosby today. Tune in every 1st and the 15th when a new episode drops with the Enlisted Leadership Foundation. Until then, check us out at www.enlistedleadershipfoundation.org. Thank you very much. Bye-bye.